Hello everyone and welcome to episode 443 of MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we got this small crew here this week. Krim is uh, in the air, I think, traveling over to Barcelona for the upcoming Magic Con. So today it's just me and the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How are you today, Richard? Doing well, Seth. Catching up on all the Comic-Con news, magic and non-magic related. Ooh. See, I've I've kept up on some of the magic stuff. What's the most important or exciting piece of non-magic news from Comic-Con? Because I'm sure a lot of people care about this. I might not, but I'm sure a lot of our listeners might. No idea. I was looking at action figures. <laughs> okay. So I was, I was looking at all the new action figures that are coming out of Comic-Con and all the exclusives that uh, they, they do put up online. Oh, do you know what the most important news is? We, we don't have it on our topic list, so I'm just going to ninja it in here. And it's uh, Magic the Gathering Cheez-Its. <laughs> have you seen that? The 30th anniversary Cheez-Its collaboration that, uh, I don't know if it's available still, but they put it online uh, yeah, during yeah. Comic-Con. That's, I can get behind this one, Seth. I can get so behind this one. <laughs> I, I'm actually curious. So they, they do look like they're sold out now. Um do you think we should be buying these? Like, is Cheez Its finance a thing? I gotta look on eBay. I, I, so I are people like selling some? these for way more? Wow, they're well, I don't know what they're selling for, but it looks like they're listed for fifty bucks. When Wait, as an investment or as a thing to support Magic the Gathering? <laughs> well, I mean, if I was gonna eat Cheez Its, can't you get them for like a couple bucks? Isn't fifteen bucks for Cheez Its like? You're paying a lot for the IP, right? I, I assume. I, I don't really eat Cheez-Its. I don't like Cheez-Its especially. But oh. <laughs> wait, is that sacrilege? Oh. Does everyone love Cheez-Its? Doesn't everyone like Cheez-Its? It's just like salt and cheese and <laughs> oil or something. I don't know. But um, so here's the gist. Anything at Comic-Con, you should buy. Because it's like super scarce. It'll, it'll sell out. And there'll be someone who like couldn't afford a ticket or couldn't get to Comic-Con <laughs> or whatever. that will buy it. Uh, so usually, like, even the free stuff they give away at Comic-Con goes for, like, a, a very high premium. So, uh, people are crazy about their exclusive <laughs> swag. So, if, if I had the chance, I would have bought a pallet of Cheez-Its. Uh, <laughs> and then, worst case, fallback is you eat Cheez-Its for life. You can't sell them. <laughs> you yeah. Eat you got a lifetime <laughs> supply of Cheez-Its with Teferi on the box. I think one of the packaging was pretty good, actually. It looks like an old, like, magic card back, and it says Booster Snacks. Uh, <laughs> like a booster pack that you had to slip in the pun. I wish they'll never do this because, uh, because it's Watsy, but... Pringles would be so funny if they did a Pringles crossover. Wizards would so win the internet and everyone would think it was hilarious, but I I don't think Wizards would actually do it. I think that's a little a little above their <laughs> their uh, ability when it comes to viral marketing. <laughs> uh anyway, Cheez-Its, Magic Cards. What else do we got on our agenda for today? We're going to be jumping around a, a little bit, I think, today. We got a few different topics to hit up. We want to talk a bit about Commander Masters, especially the, the pre-cons were the big thing from the past week. We'll talk about the specific cards on the Commander Clash podcast, and we're not going to go deep on the spoilers themselves, but want to talk about it a little bit from a meta perspective. We also got some spoilers from Comic-Con, I believe, Doctor Who previews, some art teasers from Mark Rosewater about upcoming products. We got a Nerf on Arena. We got a Modern Pro Tour this weekend and then answering some fish mail. So I think that's the general plan for today. Before we jump into it, though, a reminder that today's show is brought to you by Card Conduit. And Card Conduit, it's the easiest way to sell your magic cards. If you ever get tired of all the hassles that go into buy listing your cards, Card Conduit lets you skip them. With their curated service, you can send in as many cards as you want with a buy list value of a dollar or more and pay just a 5% service fee. Or you can do a little bit of work on your end and listen and sort your cards in advance and use this sorted service and pay just a 2% fee. And either way, you're going to get a detailed report with the results and a fast payment once your order is processed and you can even get another 10% off by heading over to cardconduit.com slash mtggoldfish. Card Conduit, they are the easiest way to sell your magic cards. So thank you to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And let's talk some magic and let's start... Let's start with these Commander Precons, Richard. This has been the, the biggest topic of the week. There's been... Ah, oh boy. Just a huge conversation around these. So, to set the stage for this, there's four precons with the set. 
Uh, they're pretty iconic themes like Eldrazi, Enchantress, Super Friends, Slivers. So some really like all-star casual themes. Uh, they're selling for at least double normal pre-cons. I think normal pre-cons now are like 40, 45. The biggest price of these is around 80. And it seems like the more popular ones, Eldrazi and then Slivers are selling for 120, 140, 160, uh, on the secondary market. So I'm curious, Richard. What do you make of these pre-cons? Like, the big criticism that I've seen from a lot of people is people feel like because the price is so much higher, the decks just aren't good enough for the price. People look at these and say, well, this is essentially a normal pre-con. I don't see much that separates this from the $40 pre-cons, except you're charging me two or three times as much to get these pre-cons. Is that fair criticism? Uh, Yes, but... I will go with the criticism that they should just be cheap. Like, let's... E even if they were, like, $500 and the EV was $2,000 or something, right? You got, like, four times the value. It doesn't matter. Like, pre-cons are meant as an easy way to get into Magic the Gathering, right? They are not meant as an investment vehicle. They're not meant as a fill-out-your-collection-for-cheaper-value or something, right? Like, they should be as cheap as possible, at a high enough power level that you can play them at the average commander pod, whatever the heck that is, right? Such that you can actually buy like a whole playset, you know, bring them to FNM. If someone doesn't have a deck, you give it to them, they play, right? Like if the pre-cons are 80 bucks a piece, are you really buying four pre-cons and bringing them there to give to your friends? Like, so I, I think there's like a double-edged criticism here. Like one, there's not enough value to justify the price. But two, like why... Even though they said they're not premium explicitly on the weekly Magic the Gathering stream, they're a premium product, right? They're they're charging more. Like, why? These should be as cheap as possible to get people into Commander. So I think Wizards has gone crazy with the greed here, right? They're 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 trying to increase the price, give us crappy uh, mana bases and say that they meant to do that. And then like tell us it's not premium. Like, oh, there's no MSRP, guys. It's not a premium product. Look at the prices. <laughs> That's all you need to see, right? Yeah. It's a premium product. <laughs> I mean, the price does make it clear, right? If people say it's a premium product, that's basically what they're referring to is you're charging more than you would be normally. So I think like the whole it's not a premium product thing, that's that's kind of silly. Even if like they don't define it as a premium product from the perspective of a player and a consumer, it obviously is because it's being sold for more. I wonder, though, like I think I kind of disagree with Pre-cons should always be as cheap as possible. I think we get so many pre-cons these days. If this was 2013 and we got like one run of pre-cons a year, 100% every time, they should be super cheap. This is for onboarding new players. But I wonder in 2023, when we get pre-cons every set and now with master sets and then random one of secret layer drops and like there's so many pre-cons, do you think there's room for more expensive but better pre-cons in the mix. The good example of this would be the the Secret Lair one, where they did that coin flip deck Secret Lair drop, and that was actually, I think it was 100 bucks plus shipping, and that was actually really well-received, because there was like $300 value in cards, the deck looked pretty functional out of the box. So other than the shipping issues, where it took forever to ship, which I don't think is really related to the quality of the deck or the price, um, I think that that was a successful $100 pre-con. So do you think there's room for a $80, $100 pre-con that's not targeted for new players and new players should be getting the ones that come out every set for 25 bucks or 40 bucks or whatever? Yes, but how much, like, who's going to buy it? Like, if I, if I, if I sell you this pre-con for $300, Seth, are you going to buy it? Like, if they're going to make it a play, like, it's like event decks. Did anyone ever buy an event deck? Like, it's meant to be played at a competitive level, but it's still, like, a quarter of a tier deck. So, yeah. like, the, the the actual good decks are super expensive. And I guess you could just make a budget deck. Like, you can make a high-powered budget deck and sell it, but then it, it wouldn't warrant the high price tag. So, I don't... Maybe I don't it's... know. Hmm. But I, I, could see a, I could see a world where you... You pay $300 and you actually get a, a very strong commander deck that's not, like, budget. Like, it actually includes staples. But how many people would buy that? That Like, that's... Usually when you're entering that territory, you are building your own decks, right? And you are making your own trade-offs. Uh, that's the other thing about pre-cons, right? Like, because of the budgets, there are trade-offs to be made. 
And uh, when you let wizards make the precon, you let wizards make the trade-off, right? But maybe you can make better trade-offs given your situation. Like you own existing cards that you can trade off or you like certain cards better than other cards. So you're okay with spending less money here and spending more money there. So, so I don't know. I, but like they, they can also sell a modern deck. Why don't they ever do that? Where's my like $500 Omnath deck in a box <laughs> or something, right? Like I, I don't know, right? I feel there's no real market for that. That's my guess. Yeah, maybe that's true. Although we've never really, it's always been half measures, right? Whenever we've gotten like event decks or things like that, it's always like, well, you get one Thought Seize, you get one Gold Span Dragon. So it's like, you can see how it's based off of like a top tier deck, but then it's missing some of the really <laughs> expensive, important pieces that where you really, where we, we would always talk about like, oh, if you buy like three of these challenger decks and put them together, then you actually end up with a top tier deck. But like, so I think they've never really went fully for it. I will say, I think you're right that like, it's a little awkward with Commander, because Commander is so much about personalization, self-expression, more so than other formats. Like, I think if you took the top-tier modern deck that cost $1,500 to build and sold a $750 version of it that was literally card for card, I think there would be a market for that of people that want to get into the format on the cheap. I don't know if that works for Commander, though. Like, do I want some $2,000 deck that you built and played on Commander Clash for $1,500 or, like, 1000 bucks? Probably not. I would rather spend 1000 bucks on Magic cards and build my own deck and have my own, like, self-expression. And I think Wizards, you hinted on, like... With a precon, Wizards the one that is making all the decisions. If you build your own deck, you get to make the decisions. Wizards said something interesting about that during one of their live streams where uh, there was a, a conversation about why the Sliver deck in specific had such a bad mana base, uh, just lacking any good lands. And they said something, and this is paraphrasing, but something that sounded like they have a kind of a budget for their decks where they can put so much value into them. And they choose to put that value into more first slivers and things like exciting cards that are not lands and trim back on the lands as much as possible. So those are the kind of decisions that Wizards makes. If you were building the deck, I guess you'd have a lot more flexibility of being like, well, do I really need this random $20 sliver or this, you know, $10 Vanquisher's banner or something? Or could I spend that on a land instead? So I think that is one of the downsides of Wizards, of Wizards uh, actually building the decks. Do you think that these decks are exactly the same as a $40 pre-con. That's one thing I've taken issue with is I've seen some people that make it sound like these decks are bad, and I don't think they are. Like, when I look through these deck lists and compare them to, like, a March of the Machines pre-con or a Frexia Obi-Wan pre-con, I think these decks are better. If you look at the cards that are reprinted, there's some, you know, there's some pretty good options for a pre-con. My bar for pre-cons is pretty low because usually you get like hardly any good reprints in them. So even just seeing like Chain Veil and things like that that are like kind of real cards, I think they're better than the typical $40 pre-cons. I think the problem is I don't think they're enough better to justify the price increase. What do you think about that? Like, when you look at these deck lists, does this just say normal precon to you? Or can you see any any premium aspect to these looking at them? So the themes are premium. Yes. Right? Like, if, if you were to build decks of these themes, like, of, like, your own decks, they would be more expensive than, like, any other archetype. Like, Planeswalkers, very expensive. Slivers, very expensive. Eldrazi, very expensive. Enchantments, very expensive. So the themes are expensive. So therefore, I think the cards that, you know, the, the 10 custom, the 10 new cards for each deck that go on theme with, uh, you know, the, the deck, their price is all over the price place right now, right? Because they're like pre-order prices and no one knows what they are. But I think over time, they'll just be more expensive because of the nature of the decks they go into. Is this worth the, the, the $80 price tag? I don't. I don't think so, but like at the same time, I don't know what you're expecting. Were you expecting reserveless sliver queens in your sliver <laughs> deck? Like, ooh, I like I I think the mana base that people are harping on is like the easy way out. Like you could have like made a better mana base and increased the value of the decks without like you know losing your like. There's so many lands, right? There's so many commander specific lands that you can actually fix this without eating into like the slivers you're trying to hold back to reprint somewhere else. But I don't know, like, I wouldn't pay $120 for the Sliver deck. Like, would, would you? Like, this is kind of crazy, right? Even if you want yeah. the new cards. And the new cards are not that insane, right? Like, they're 
they're good, but they're good for like this one deck. So yeah. I don't, I don't know. I I would I would not pick up any of these personally. I don't think it's like I said. I think they're better than the average precon, but not enough better to justify double or triple the price, four times the price in some cases. I think for the Aldrazi deck, so I don't think they're enough better to actually justify that. I do think the mana base issue is fixable. I think there is like so on one hand, some players would like to see like. Fetch lands, Triome, Shock lands, like that be the mana base and precons. And I don't know if that's a realistic ask for wizards. Like, I think we're, we're not ever going to get to that point. That would require wizards changing their entire business model that they've used for 30 years. And I just don't think we can win that argument. On the other hand, you know what they should do is like the battle bond lands, which are legit good commander lands. And they're what? Five bucks a piece, seven bucks a piece, 10 bucks a piece. Shouldn't they just repin throws in every precon like they do command tower? Like, couldn't they fix this by designing really good, very playable commander lands like the battle bond lands and just put them in every precon? Like, wouldn't even that be a big step forward in playability for these mana bases? Yeah, they could just invent typed tricolor tap lands and that would fix everything, right? Like, or or a or a fetch okay, a fetch land that fetches tapped like typed cards and then you make the tri lands and then your mana base is janky but you can fix it right (laughs) like you have all these like fetch lands and then you play all of the i don't know what they're called like the the glacial fortress type lands right that check for another type you can even play oh what is it the other check lands that require two basics like there, there are ways to construct this that your mana base is good without being like fetch shocks and they, yeah. they rely on those other lands that can come into play uh, untapped but are conditional, right? And you just got to meet those conditions on a budget. So they got to invent new lands. I, I will say that, like, it's so backwards of Wizards. So Wizards, when, when you have a tapped mana base, your cards effectively cost one more mana. And then all your cards kind of suck now because they cost <laughs> one more mana, right? Every game in 2023 has realized, like, this resource system is the bane of people's existence. Like getting mana screwed, not having the right colors. Like people just have removed mana from games, right? You just automatically generate mana or, you know, you have a separate deck that always guarantees your mana. And then here's wizards locking all their mana behind more money that no one wants to spend. Like they should make mana bases as free as possible and put all the value into the actual cards, right? Like, you know, 2023 Shiv and Dragon should cost a lot of money, but, you know, fetchable Triland should be free. Uh, I think that would solve a lot of the problems people have with this. And then, like, if you buy this precon, what are your upgrades? Is it slivers? No, it's mana base, it's, right? Like, yep. go buy some chocolate. I'm like, oh, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to buy this deck and then go search for lands to put. Like, no, right? I wanted to buy more slivers to put in here. But the actual upgrade is your mana base, right? So it's it's just weird that they're so gung-ho about this. They have so many cards worth so much value that they can afford to just, like, drive shock lands and fetches and stuff into the ground. But they won't. They, they're, like, holding on to, like, that, that golden goose They really are, yeah. It's such a, in some ways, I think it's such a, like, 10-year-ago, 60-card format mindset as far as, like, reprint equity and how to manage uh, their game and manage their economy. They're thinking of it like it's 2010 or something, and you need these cards to, like, sell booster packs to standard players when the game is just different now. You're not even really trying to sell booster packs to standard players. You're trying to sell them to everyone, to commander players primarily. So I think that Wizards does need to, like, shift their mindset when it comes to lands. I very much agree with you. Like, I think we're to the point where the healthiest thing for the game would be to get rid of rare duels and make them uncommon duels like that would solve so many of these issues and it would uh, it would make the game so much better for so many players and you're very right just like wizard said like the the mana base is kind of boring so we spend our budget on cool cards that people like that same line of thinking applies to someone who buys this deck and goes to upgrade it no new player is going to be excited about having to spend their time and their money to like upgrade their cinder glades into stomping grounds like but that's what they need to do to make their deck work so i think I think that wizards yeah hopefully 
hopefully they find a solution to the problem because I think that that would go a super long way if they could figure out a way to solve the mana base issue because that is legitimately one of the most disappointing parts of these decks, especially, I know people, all of the mana bases look like pre-con mana bases. The sliver one's especially painful because it's five color and it's a very aggro deck and just playing a ton of tap lands and you're like, I'm trying to curve out what sliver's deck seems very, very rough, but... Anyway, I'm any sure, other thoughts? I'm sure Tomer can tell you that you can build a much better budget five color mana base than <laughs> than like literally like this is like this is a beginner player's version, right? Like I'll get every tri land <laughs> in the color that ETB's tapped and I'll like stick it in the deck. Yep. And you will never play on curve ever again, right? But there are ways to construct a five C mana base on a budget that, you know, actually can play stuff on curve. So this is like egregious on multiple fronts. Yeah, and they they threw the they threw the tab fetch lands in there too. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Maybe we need like commander fetches. Like if they, I hate printing cards specifically for commander, but the equivalent of command tower, but the fetch land would actually probably be a positive to the format. Out of all the like kind of forced commander staples, command tower is the one I forgive the most, just because of what we've been talking about. How the mana base is such a big issue, and I think giving. Everyone, a really powerful dual land is a positive, even if I don't, especially like that it's designed to specifically do that for commander. So maybe that's a avenue wizards could explore more is like more command towers type stuff that you can put in every deck. And eventually, if you do enough of that, then everyone will have a functional mana base without spending hundreds or thousands of dollars. But so do you mean battle bond fetch lands? <laughs> like it's a fetch <laughs> land that ETVs untapped if you control two or more opponents or and could you it's do just a normal fetch? So- Something like that, or like whatever, fetch a, a land in your commander's color identity. I don't know if there's a way to word that that would work under the rules. Fetch a land that produces a color in your commander's color identity. But yeah, something that 60 card format players would not ever play because we don't need those for 60 card formats or even want 60 card format players to want them because then it's going to drive prices up. So I think it needs to be somehow worded like the Battle Bond lands where it really only works in commander. I, I how about a dual land that adds like like tainted commander players or something where it adds black and then also like a color of your commander's color identity. Ooh. And then there and then it's also fetchable. And then you can make a whole cycle. So there'll be a blue one, a green one, or whatever. And then so the problem is if they just make one land, it doesn't help you. You need you need like at least four to ten or something that are also fetchable. And then your mana base is perfect. Uh, the other problem, you're, like you're totally right. That would be a cool cycle. My fear is though, we're designing these cards to solve the problem. And they don't show up in the next Commander Precon. They show up in the next, like, Commander Legends at Rare or at Mythic. And they're, like, a new $40 staple that we can use to reprint, you know, to print more Master Sets in the future. So that would be, that would be my only concern. That you really got to put them in the Precons to make it work. They they need to power creep Evolving Wilds. Like, Evolving Wilds is in every product ever, right? But it hasn't been changed since (laughs) its original printing, right? It needs to be power crept. We need... (sighs) A new land that's good that's printed in every product ever at like uncommon. Yeah, I would I would totally agree. So hopefully we see something like that in the future. I would say, but uh, yeah, I would say pick up singles. I would also say one last thing in these decks: the prices on the new cards seem absurdly high to me. A lot of them, if you just look at presales, are like. $30, $20. It is hard for me to imagine these prices actually sticking. So I honestly wouldn't even buy singles at this point. I'm definitely in the like, give it a little while for prices to come down. Because remember, these cards also show up in collector boosters. And someone said they thought in some set boosters too, maybe. But regardless, uh, I think the current prices of the new cards, as cool as they are, is just way, way too high. But uh, let's, let's move on. <laughs> we got... We got some spoilers, Richard. So uh, you mentioned SDCC. It seems like one of Wizards' new things is they want to do spoilers at events. We know, like, next weekend, we're getting our first Eldraine spoilers from the Magic Con over in Barcelona. They're SDCC. They showed off some Doctor Who cards. This is a a new Universes Beyond Commander deck set that's coming out in October. Richard, what did uh, what did we see about Doctor Who? Also, actually, first, is Doctor Who something you're into? Have you ever watched that? Because I've never watched Doctor Who. Okay. I've <laughs> never heard of, like, Doctor Strange. Well, like, <laughs> I mean, okay. So, actually, funny enough, my first experience of Doctor Who was actually at Comic-Con. So, one year as a Ramy at Comic-Con, 
and I almost got trampled by a herd of people uh, because there was a, a Doctor Who appearance on the floor and it was like a new season of Doctor Who just kicked off or something and they changed the Doctor or something. I, I have no idea anything about Doctor Who, right? But the cast was there and it was a female lead or something and maybe this was the first time it happened. I'm not exactly sure, oh. but people were super interested and people were, it was like a horde of people jammed the whole hall up, couldn't get anywhere. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's Doctor Who. And all I know is there's something about like a booth or something and they travel somewhere and that's all I know. Yeah. Uh, I know, like, you know more Lord of the Rings than I know Doctor Who, Seth. So this is my X-Men here. I'm like, is that that a doctor? Is this person a doctor? Like, who, what? Unfortunately, this is also another one of my X-Men where I've never actually, I've never actually watched it. From what I gather, there's doctors and they time travel, like that part. I I figured that part out. And uh, it seems like they're trying to represent that in the cards. It seems like suspend is like one of the big themes to represent time travel. What do you think of these cards? Richard, are any of them actually good? All right, let's let's see if we can <laughs> let's see if we can figure out the story of Doctor Who through magic cards. So there's this vehicle called TARDIS. It looks like a telephone booth. So I think this is how they travel. Okay, two mana. It's a two four. Uh, flying. When TARDIS attacks, if you control a Time Lord, the next spell you cast this turn has Cascade, and you may Planeswalk mm-hmm. Crew Two. So we should say Time Lord is a new creature type that is coming with the Doctor Who set. So we don't have any Time Lords outside of Changelings, I guess, are probably Time Lords by default. But we don't have any Time Lords in Magic. Wizards, also, there was some confusion over whether Time Lord was two creature types or one. Wizards confirmed it's one creature type. So if you have a creature type Lord, it wouldn't apply to this or whatever. (laughs) So uh, do you think this card's actually good? So the thing, like, it's so hard to evaluate because... When you get Cascade, how can it be bad, right? <laughs> well, you got to control a Time Lord. I think that's a challenge. So, so like... Uh, let's presume your commander's a Time Lord. I'm going to assume... Wait, there's no okay. commander, though. Okay. I'm going to assume the Doctors, and there are going to be many of them, are legendary. Okay? And in the context in which you play this, they will probably be your commander. So your commander needs to exist on the battlefield, which it probably should. And then your next... Spell has Cascade after you attack with 2-4 flying. It's got to totally, right? I think it's totally worth it. If you're playing a deck that has a bunch of Time Lords in it, then I think it's it's good. Obviously, if you don't have Time Lords, it doesn't do much. One thing I've learned about vehicles is flying is a really big deal. The best vehicles throughout Magic's history are flying because they often need to attack to do anything. And it's much easier to attack every turn if you have Evasion. It only crews for two, and then getting a free Cascade post-combat main phase, that seems pretty solid. So if I'm playing a Doctor Who deck or a deck that has a bunch of Time Lords... This is my my smuggler's copter or whatever. I think you play this every time. It's even a two four. Like that's pretty yeah. so, pretty good. So stats. the format is commander, right? This is this is a plane chase product. So it's commander, not Lord of the Rings, right? It's yes. not going into modern or anything. It's it's actually just straight supplemental. So it's it's basically the Warhammer decks, but for Doctor Who, it's only commander precons, and then I think they're also selling collector booster packs with the, you know, different versions of the cards and the precons. But yeah, commander commander and legacy only essentially. It's it's marked as uncommon though, so maybe it sucks. I'm not sure. <laughs> Does it seem way better? Like like is there like only one Time Lord in the whole set or something? Because even then, I just take a Changeling. Changelings are Time Lords, right? As far as we these know, are, yeah. These are just a creature type. This is not a new type, like a Planeswalker or something, right? It's actually just a, a two-word creature type. So this seems good, but it's marked as uncommon. So I'm not sure. Rarity rarity doesn't matter much when it comes to precons, really. So I, I wouldn't put too doesn't much it weight though? in that. Normally the mythics, normally the alternate commander is a mythic. And the That's- good cards are rares and mythics. Like price-wise, it makes no difference, right? But... They're not going to put their bomb at common in a, yeah. in a pre-con, are they? I mean, I think it's uh, a, a good filler card. I, we actually have a, a time limit, We have a I doctor. Think. Yeah. Okay. See, there are multiple doctors. We're getting somewhere. The 10th doctor is the name of the <laughs> oh, card. Oh, God. How Three many blue red. I think that like every season, every couple seasons, there's a new doctor. I'm not, oh. they die or something. I'm not sure where these doctors come from, but there are multiple doctors. Like this show has been going on since the 60s or something. 
Yeah. It's like I'm, James Bond, except they actually recognize the new characters as new <laughs> characters, I think. Okay. Okay. I can see that. Okay. All, all the all the Doctor Who fans are like cringing here as we try to figure out how the universe works. <laughs> so it's a 3-5. Legendary creature, Time Lord Doctor. So also a doctor. Uh, Allons-y. Allons-y. <laughs> Is this French? I'm not sure. Uh <laughs> Whenever you attack, <laughs> exile cards from the top of your library until you exile a non-land card. Put three time counters on it. If it doesn't have suspend, it gains suspend. Timey-wimey. <laughs> seven generic mana. Time travels. Time travel three times. Activate only as a sorcery. For each suspended card you own and each permanent you control with a time counter on it, you may add or remove a time counter. Then do it two more times. Okay. So time travel is like you can manipulate suspend counters. Yep. And then this is when you attack XL cards on top and then you can put you suspend something basically. Yeah. Basically you suspend the first non land on the top of your deck, right? I think is is how it'll actually play suspend out. Suspend three. Yeah. But then if you can activate it, you get through those time you, you can play it right away essentially. So if you have enough mana you could attack with it and remove the three time counters and for seven mana play Mind's Desire, essentially. Play a random card from the top of your deck. It seems fun. Like, is it... Uh, do you think this is a strong commander card? It's obviously not a 60-card format card. It's not designed to be a 60-card format card. So it does seem to attack. So that's that's one little check on power. It's not an ETB trigger. You do have to play it and swing with it. Although, red has a lot of haste, so you can get around that. I think it obviously wants a bunch of suspend cards in your deck. Like, if you're just trying to use the Doctor to suspend, it's pretty medium. But if you're loading up on a bunch of, like, old-school suspend cards, it could be pretty powerful, right? Because you can remove the time counters from each suspended card you own. So if you have five cards suspended, this can be getting the counters off of all of them with one activation. So after playing Tom Bombadil, okay, <laughs> so things that are super choreographed are terrible in Commander. So in 1v1, you're like, okay, I got two turns before this thing comes to suspend, but I'm trying to kill you anyway, so it makes no difference to me. Whereas in Commander, if you slap a, like, scary suspend card into, you know, a scary card into suspend, people see that... <laughs> There's three time counters on it. And they're gonna come and then they also know that you're a Doctor Who deck that can manipulate time. So like, oh, if he untaps next turn, he's gonna like re- time travel remove a counter. They'll like super kill you. So I think this is not good. I think it's the it's the saga problem with Tom Bombadil. Like all your sagas pay off on turn three, and everyone sees them coming from a mile away. Uh, so you will be definitely dead by the time they happen. <laughs> so I don't like this whole mechanic. And I, I feel time travel is a cowardly way out here. Couldn't they, like, give you an extra turn <laughs> for time travel or reverse Ooh. a turn? Somehow unwind Ooh. the game state Ooh. to go back in time and undo something. Okay, uh, okay. Hmm. Like, manipulating suspend counters is so... Meh. That is, right? that is the easy way, right? Like, I, I think from the tiny bit I've read about Doctor Who, like, time travel is, like, really important to it. So I think you got to represent time travel, but maybe suspend. I mean, but suspend is kind of representing time, right? And then his ability is, like, traveling the timey, timey-wimey. The timey-wimey <laughs> ability actually is, like, manipulating time. You're traveling through time and getting that card faster. So I don't mind. Like, I don't think it's an especially powerful mechanic for the reasons you said. It's very telegraphed. But I don't really mind the design of it. I actually have a, a finance question for you, Richard. So it seems like Suspend is going to be a big theme of these decks. We saw the Warhammer decks be super popular in just the last week. I've seen lots of slivers that weren't reprinted spiking in price, like huge amounts. Lots of Eldrazi that weren't reprinted spiking in price, huge amounts. Is it worth going back through the suspend cards and, like, do you pick up Wheel of Fate now or Soul Talisman? Or, like, do you pick up any of the decent suspend cards now? Or is your expectation they will be reprinted in these decks with Doctor Who flavor? And, like, why would you buy Wheel of Fate? Because there's obviously going to be a Doctor Who version that's going to get reprinted in these decks. Ah, this is rough. Like, are there are there reserve list cards? So the reserve list, no, no reserve it list, easy, right? It's but, all uh, like the, all modern stuff. Yeah, with the sliver deck, you would expect them to reprint a bunch of slivers, and then they didn't. So you're like, oh, I don't want to buy these because they're going to reprint them, and then they didn't. 
And then now you have to pay like the inflated price, right? But then on the flip side, if you buy a card and they reprint it, you're like super sad. So it's it's a bit of a risk. So I, I would personally only do it if I actually cared about the deck. It's like yeah. Cheez-Its, right? You, you, do a little, you do a little finance gamble, and then if it doesn't pay off, you got to just eat Cheez-Its. Are you okay with eating Cheez-Its the rest of your life? Uh, here. Are you okay with playing with your Doctor Who cards and suspend cards? If you're like, I can't play this deck. It's just sitting in a box with my failed spec. Then, like, I don't know about that, right? But the 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 fallback for me for a failed spec is you just play the cards. And then maybe eventually it becomes expensive again. But I don't know. It's a bit I- risky. It is definitely a bit risky. The one thing I will say, I'm just like kind of browsing through suspend cards and the ones that you might actually want in Commander, like Wheel of Fate's a wheel, Inevitable Betrayal is a bribery would suspend, like uh, the good ones. And these cards are like the most expensive one I've seen so far is $2. And a lot of them are like literal bulk rare prices. Oh, okay. I, I might thing. snag like a playset of like Inevitable Betrayal, which I would put in every suspend commander deck. Like bribery is awesome. I might snag a playset just like what's the worst case? Worst case, I got a bulk rare for 50 cents. Best case, I guess, is everyone goes crazy for these Doctor Who's decks and I get mine early and I'm not paying five bucks a copy for them. So just because well, they're so case. dirt cheap, I might actually <laughs> buy them, buy some of them. You become a meme with your Crucible of the Spirit <laughs> yeah. Dragons. <laughs> that, that's the best case. I got so much meme value out of those Crucible. They paid for themselves in meme value. <laughs> uh, I think we have a, okay. a couple more cards. Speaking of being super telegraphed, uh, <laughs> here's a saga. The Parting of the Ways. Four red red. Uh, it's a saga. So the first one, the first chapter is exile the top five cards of your library for each non-land card exiled this way. Put a number of time counters on that card equal to its mana value. If it doesn't have to spend, it gains to spend. Two... Time travel, then time travel again, and then three for each opponent destroy up to one target artifact that player controls. And this is a normal saga, no no read ahead or anything like that. <laughs> I like that you end with an artifact after all the epic decks. Yeah, shatter. We'll end with a shatter. There, there's probably some. There's probably some lore reason for this, right? That's that's probably true. So this card. So it's not good in general. Like, there's no way you're playing this in a non-suspend deck. I don't even know. Would you play this in Tom? Like, is this even good enough for a Saga deck, or is it just too slow? The problem is if you exile powerful things, they're probably expensive and have many time counters, and Wait, it's going to take a very you... long time for you to get them. No, you want you want to exile suspend cards, right? How does this work? If If, if there's an actual suspend card on top... Its mana value is zero. So oh, yeah. you you exile it and put zero time counters on it, so you cast it immediately. And then if it doesn't have suspend, it gains suspend, so that doesn't apply. So you just mm. cast suspend cards off the top when you do this? I need to look up the actual text on suspend. Is it when the last time counter is removed? I almost think that it you cast it when the last counter is removed rather than when it has no counters. Second ability triggers... Remove a time counter. Third, cause you to cast it when the last time counter is removed. Yeah. So if you actually have a zero mana spell, I don't think you could ever cast it because you would never so you, have a time counter to remove. So you lose all your suspend. Wait, that doesn't even make any sense. So you play this <laughs> and you just exile your suspend cards off the top of your library for no gain. Well, I mean, most suspend, the most iconic suspend cards are the one with no mana value, but many suspend cards actually have a mana value. Like most of the mechanic does have a mana value. You're right. Usually they're like some uncastable amount and then... And then you can suspend on the cheap. Yeah, it's like a nine drop, but then you suspend so this, for again, two But that still makes it worse, right? Because now you just suspended your thing for 10, 10 mana <laughs> rather than suspending it for suspend cost. Yeah, <sighs> so it... I actually think it doesn't work that well with literal suspend cards. It's probably yeah. at its best if you're, yeah, playing it with just, I actually don't even know what you, <laughs> like, if you get an Emrakul or something, it's going to have 15 counters on it. How do you ever get 15 time counters off of Emrakul I mean, before the this game This card ends? is essentially suspend a bunch of stuff and then remove the mana value by two, right? Because you yeah. get to double time travel and then... It's <laughs> the miser artifact destruction at the end. Like, I don't it's, know. But. No, this card is actually just you You lose the game. This is you play this and suspend <laughs> some big bombs with eight counters or something. And everyone's like, oh, well, we better kill them in the next eight turns. Like, 
<laughs> I don't know how this ends without you dying. So, I mean, maybe it's fine in a time counter deck. Like, if you're playing the flavor, like, I don't know what Bad Wolf means. Like, I'm sure there's flavor reasons to play this, but I can't see playing it outside of a, a Doctor Who deck. <laughs> okay. Uh, exterminate with an exclamation mark. Uh, two and a black. So, three mana sorcery. It has replicate, tap, and untapped Dalek you control. Uh, so for each Dalek you tap as you cast this, you can copy this spell, essentially. And then destroy target creature. Its controller loses three life. I don't know what a Dalek is. I'm actually actually pulling. Uh, apparently an alien uh, extraterrestrial race of some kind. So it's a, it's a picture of like an R2-D2 looking thing, like zapping <laughs> the, skeleton, the skeleton person. <laughs> so as removal, this kind of sucks but as a finisher this could be pretty good if you have a lot of daleks right actually no 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 it doesn't work your opponent has to have lots of creatures too i guess that's that's true it would be hard to actually kill someone unless they had a really big board so we haven't seen any daleks yet although like isn't this the best tribal tribal card wouldn't this be a staple in like a changeling deck like tomer plays i feel like this would be absurd with changelings if like most of your creatures are changelings how many copies do you need for it to be worth it? Two, three? Then this is like probably pretty playable as a I mean you you essentially wrath a person's board <laughs> like deal a ton of damage to them. So Yeah. Yeah. I think Tribal Tribal could use this. And depending on how easy it is to make Daleks. Are they like two twos and one ones or are they like eight eights? You know, are they yeah, Eldrazi they... or something, right? Like can Ooh. you actually get a lot of these on the battlefield? So we we have seen a Dalek token actually. It's a three three with menace. So oh, that's kind of big. That's probably going to be a little <laughs> expensive to make. Yeah, that's that's kind of big. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how easy they are to make. But changelings for sure worth keeping in mind, I think. Uh, then speaking of tokens, we got an alien insect token, which is a one one flyer. We got a food token. We got a clue token. And then we got the Dalek token that Seth said. And then also there's a bunch of planes, which we won't talk about. But there's three, four new planes they revealed. Uh, so those are all the Doctor Who cards. Apparently the... Are you the planes... excited to watch Doctor Who now? <laughs> I, so I actually I actually posted a thing on Twitter. I think there's like an overwhelming amount of this show. There's just like so many seasons. And I mean, we saw what, the 10th Doctor or something? Like there's just so much of this show. I wouldn't know where to start. But I got some really good recommendations from, uh, from Magic Twitter about like, if I just want to watch one season or even like just some episodes, the best episodes to just get an idea what the show's about. So I, I have a list of episodes I'm going to watch that I've, uh, that I've gotten from various people in the magic community so you i don't think share I'm, it on the podcast Seth. maybe oh <laughs> how are my people God. gonna know how are oh. people gonna know what's all right watch? i can i can i can i can look it up i can look it up and see there was there was some really good recommendations it's actually episode it's not like a season they're not like watch season 10 so okay so season wise uh it's pretty simple so apparently there were two runs of the show and almost everyone who's a doctor who fan says the first one is like for hardcore fans only. If you go back and watch the like 60, 70 version, there's like a little bit of nostalgia if you're like a hardcore Doctor Who fan. But if you're a new person to Doctor Who, don't watch the original. Watch the reboot that started in like 2005 or something. And the first season or the second season of the reboot is the one that pretty much everyone recommended. There was also like Gavin Verhey, uh, apparently really likes this show. He recommended five episodes. I got like a ton of upvotes and likes. Blink, the 11th hour, Vincent and the Doctor, Heaven Sent, and the Girl in the Fireplace. If you want to get an intro to the show, those are the five, like, really good episodes that a lot of people seem to agree are are some of the best episodes to watch if you just want to get a sense of what Doctor Who's about. Uh, so I think I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it enough just to see what it's like. I mean, I, I sat through Lord of the Rings. I can sit through some Doctor Who. It can't be that bad, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Lord of the Rings actually won Academy Awards. Uh, I don't know if Doctor Who is like legit good or like a cult favorite. Like it is very popular, but I I don't know. Like, would a normal person like Doctor Who? Like, I'm I'm not sure. It has to be right. It's gone on for like literally decades on TV, (laughs) right? How do you think its popularity compares to Warhammer? Because those decks were super popular. Like that was a really big thing, magic wise. Should we expect something similar? Like, is this going to be a, a pretty big release, or is this a a Fortnite or a whatever a <laughs> Walking Dead that's just kind of like oh, whatever? No one actually cares. 
So these are new cards, right? The the reason no one cared about Fortnite is because it's like just reprints. And then people were sketched out by new cards for Walking Dead and then the, the release model and things like that. I think this will probably be popular. Although the yeah. theme kind of sucks. I don't know. Like the time travel. It's a very weak mechanic. It is. But for, maybe it'll make sense. for Commander. When it all comes together, uh, maybe it'll look better a little bit when yeah, we see more cards. I don't know. Like when I was at Comic Con, there were a lot of Doctor Who fans, but I don't know what this tells me, right? There are a lot of weird niche fans at Comic Con, but I was like, what the heck is this, right? I'm like, why wow, there's so many people here? But that was also a long time ago when I was at Comic Con. So I don't know if this is one of those like past its prime IPs that Magic has picked up, or if it's actually like, no, you know, people are actually still like it. Like, you know, like Lord of the Rings, the movies, okay, the books are like ancient, right? But the movies are also like 20, 25 years old, right? But people still love it. It's not actually past its prime, even though it's old. Maybe yeah. this is the same, right? Maybe it's old, like 60s version or whatever, but people still love it. So it's fine. I mean, I think at its worst, it's a it's a cult classic. Like, it's something I've definitely heard about before, even though I've never yeah. actually taken the time to watch it. So I think it's it's something that does have a pretty big fan base. So how it compares to Warhammer, I have no idea. But there's certainly a, a big number of Doctor Who fans out there. So I'm I'm kind of excited for it, even though Doctor Who, I haven't, haven't watched it yet, but I'll add it to my why, list. Why, why do you compare to Warhammer, not Lord of the Rings? <laughs> well, Lord of the Rings just, is our most recent Universes Beyond, right? But magic-wise, they're most similar, because they were both just a set of commander uh, okay. decks. Lord of the Rings, you got the full set and draft and modern. This is just almost release-wise, it's very similar to Warhammer, where it's like four commander decks built around this theme. So magic-wise, okay, I think okay. it's most similar, but... Um, anyway, let's move on. We got a couple of other topics. One is, last week on our cast, we talked a little bit about how we would rebalance some arena cards. Well, it seems like Watsy might listen to the podcast because of the very next morning we woke up and uh, Crucius, everyone's favorite alchemy pirate, ended up getting a little bit rebalanced. So Wizard's choice, Richard, was uh, was to do what? How did they rebalance the card? So it just became a 3-1 instead of a 3-3. The text looks exactly the same. Um, is this relevant? Like, were you using Crucius as a blocker? <laughs> like, I feel this this missed the mark. I'm not. I'm not sure. Like, yes, it is a nerf, but was this was this the thing? <laughs> so, okay. On one hand, my first impression was it wasn't enough of a nerf, and I still see a lot of people playing this card in historic. It's still. I don't think many people have dropped it from their Rakdos decks. They still just name it. On the other hand, it is more of a nerf than I thought at first, just because everyone is playing Orcish Bowmasters. And Bowmasters ends up being, like, a really nice answer to this. So I think that maybe that was Watsi's thinking, is, like, if 40% of people in Historic are playing Bowmasters, or whatever the actual number is, like, maybe this is enough to just let Bowmasters snipe it. So it has felt less oppressive. Maybe they actually nailed it with the nerf, as weird as that sounds, because... People are still playing it, and I haven't heard people complaining about, oh, no, they ruined my Rakdos deck, my wild cards. Uh, so it's still good enough to play, but it has felt a little bit less oppressive than it was before. It actually feels like, okay, I have some chance of getting this off the battlefield before it just snowballs me out of the game. So I've come around on this actually maybe being the correct way to uh, to fix Crucius now that I've had a week to actually play with it and against it. Do, do people play Stomp or things? Like, do, is there other removal that would remove it at one toughness rather than... Three, because it's really the only difference is like you have bowmasters in hand, now you're safe. If you don't, you're still dead. So <laughs> it helps exactly the bowmasters player. <laughs> so there's there's a couple of other ones like mono red decks and best to one play end the festivities that deals one damage to everything. Okay. Uh, Frostbite shows up that deals two damage to things. Cutdown is kind of fringe ish, oh, but it does occasionally yeah. show up. So there are some other answers where one where one toughness really matters. Uh, I will say that not being able to attack thing is not a big deal. Like most people that I saw played with Crucius <laughs> just let it sit out there and like generate its treasures and card draw stuff. Like no one's trying to beat you down with this card, but it is worth it blocking which i think is the other upside like before this would stone wall a lot of two drops against aggro now you actually have to choose like if i'm getting pressured do i trade off my crucius since it has one toughness or do i take some more damage to leave it sitting around so i actually think it's uh, actually ended up being a surprisingly good good yeah a surprisingly good rebalance in practice uh all right one other one other topic Uh, so 
I don't think we actually have time to go through all this. Mark Rosewater did a SDCC panel and he showed off some artwork for, uh, for the next eight products, apparently. Um, we are going to try to go over it, but it seems like it would be really time consuming, but it does exist. I'll, I'll link it in the description to the video if you want to check it out and make guesses as to where we might be going next. There were literally just one image of each set. There's more important news, though, which is this weekend we got a pro tour. We have a modern pro tour for the first time in a while. Uh, this is going on at the MagicCon over in Barcelona. So, Richard, um, what are what are you expecting? Have you been playing any modern lately? What uh, what should we be keeping an eye on during this pro tour that's going to start pretty early in the, the U.S., I think, because of the time difference? The question is, are you a one ring hater or are you a one ring believer? <laughs> right? Do you just play the one ring or do you play cards to counter the one ring? I think that is. I think that's the question, right? Like nothing else has really changed other than the introduction of the one ring. And I guess Bowmasters. Yep. Uh, but it. You know, we, we've been seeing the one ring pop up on challenges and uh, other tournaments, but here's the pro tour, right? Is the one ring actually as good? The the other fear is it's actually way better than anyone has ever <laughs> thought. Like, it hasn't been optimized yet. Wait till we optimize the one ring and it actually just like destroys. <laughs> but it, it's a it's a trade off in that, you know, it is a, if it is a good card, do the pros say, uh, you know, I'm actually just going to make it better or do the pros say, no, here's my secret tech to counter it. Uh, I tried playing the tech to counter it, like Questing Beast. It was not good. Like, yeah. you know, it actually counters the one ring, but every time there is no one ring and you have a Questing Beast, you're like, wow, you actually played real cards on turn four. I'm going to die. Uh, so I, I think the answer is going to be something like Grixis Death Shadow or something. It's like your your answer is a counter spell, but that counter spell works against everyone. And it's, it's only slightly worse than before. Uh, but I think... That's what I'm looking for. Like, get yeah. off aggro too, in case that <laughs> becomes true. <laughs> what if there? What if it's like a Frodo food deck or something, Seth? You never know. <sighs> something could pop out, right? Yeah. I mean, when the the last modern challenge was one by Lannis combo of all things, going off with uh, some delighted halflings and Samwise Gamgees and Academy Manufacturers. So. I will say I'm way more excited about this Pro Tour than I expected to be. I'm always excited for modern Pro Tours. They're they're my favorite, and we haven't had one in a long time. So I was already hyped. The thing that has made me more exciting is we've actually seen the Lord of the Rings that have a big impact on the meta. We're talking about the One Rings. We're talking about Orcish Bowmasters. Delighted Halflings around. Sam Wise is around. So it actually feels like, even though this isn't nearly a modern Horizons level impact as far as having a huge impact throughout the whole format. There's not nearly as much depth in the Lord of the Rings set as there is in a Modern Horizon set. It has certainly shaken up the top of the meta, and I'm going to be keeping an eye on those new Lord of the Rings cards as well. Like, is the, we have a BNR a week after this Pro Tour, and I think this Pro Tour is going to go a long way towards generating data as far as, like, is the One Ring actually a problem in Modern? Like, do we actually have to think about taking action on this card, even though it's only been out a couple months? Bowmasters is kind of floating under the radar as far as because the one ring is uh, kind of soaking up all the juice in the room but i think that's another card to keep an eye on like how strong is this card really and we're not going to be seeing random moto challenges or league data we're going to be seeing the best players in the world doing the most broken things possible with these cards or fighting against these cards so it's going to be really really interesting to see i think we'll have a much cleaner picture of how strong the one ring and also bowmasters really is after this event do we see the pros fighting it do we you see the pros using it are there brews that we haven't even seen built around these cards that could come out it seems like that's possible that we actually see something brand new built around these cards or something very fringe that's like you know five little league a couple weeks ago show up and actually be a really legitimate threat so it's going to be very exciting to see how uh how things shake out at this event i'm expecting a lot of fast combo versus you say versus one ring the bnr is a week after the pro tour uh yes pro tour next weekend and then the following monday august what? 7th is our summer ban ban announcement you've just deflated all my enjoyment out of this event seth <laughs> what, like whatever happens at this pro tour is meaningless because it's going to be washed away with the banning right after <laughs> right like why would why don't they do it a week before the pro tour like the pro tour kind of sets the meta going forward 
and then great for a week and it's just gonna get shook it up immediately with the banning and then now we're all confused and why did i just watch like 30 hours of magic that's, i mean it's weird timing no we every yeah it's always always weird timing i'm definitely in the camp that i would rather see changes first and then watch the new meta yes. at the pro tour yeah uh wizard sees it the opposite way they've they've talked about they feel like players don't like changes like people playing the actual event don't like changes because they've already done their testing or whatever and they don't want to shake up at the last minute doesn't matter to me i'd rather do what's most interesting for me sitting at home watching the event on tv yeah, like, which would play, be like, like literally <laughs> a thousand players playing in the pro tour or millions of people like which who should i favor here right like that's weird <laughs> I mean, I will say, though, there's no guarantee of bannings. It is possible that we have this pro tour, we have the event, everything goes fine, no changes in modern. There's no guarantee that we'll get modern bannings on the 7th, but that is our our last big ban window of the year. So if we are going to get changes, that's when it's going to be. So, uh, yeah, it'll be going on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It'll be on the WotC Twitch. It'll be covered and all that. So I'm I'm excited to see what modern looks like on the biggest stage. Give me your prediction, Seth. How many one rings are we seeing? Is is it gonna uh, be uh is it gonna be the greatest magic card of all time or is it gonna be a flop? Uh I'm gonna say we have half of the top eight one ring decks. <laughs> let's I go, mean, let's I go think, with four I think, it, I think it's decks. gonna dominate. I, I think everyone's gonna conclude that it's better to play it and the hate. <laughs> like you yeah. got your one ring and hate your opponent's one ring out rather than like go all aggro because I don't know. I, I think if combo was the thing we would have seen it on moto already but i mean they have not been too successful so if you look at the top of the meta the two most popular decks right now that are a few percentage points away from the rest is rakdos primarily scam and then four or five color obnath one ring piles to me scam doesn't really feel like the kind of deck that most pros are going to choose it's like very high variance jank them out so I'd be surprised if we saw that. On the other hand, an Omnath pile with all the best cards in the format and like Teferis and Wrens and Omnath and One Ring, that seems like the kind of thing that pros will talk themselves into like, I can use my play skill to like outplay my opponent. So I'm expecting we're going to see a ton of the Omnath One Ring decks uh, at this event. So Scam is just Judd, Seth. It's not, <laughs> it's, it's not a trick deck. You just played the mid-range game, but you could just animate your, your griefs. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I actually feel you might see some combos, but then the combo decks will run one ring. <laughs> oh, that, yeah. Like, Someone, like the, they're like, oh, you're going to try to, you know, we're just going to slow it down. <laughs> we're just going to grind you up with some one rings. I'm actually very curious to see if we see one ring decks like that, because it seems like the default has just been, oh, thrown in with Omnath and it's busted. But we've also seen like Twiddle Storm. We've also seen some extra turn decks, like these yeah. more fringe one ring decks that I could see this being a breakable format where there's some pro team or pro player that like figured out that Twiddle Storm is actually just unbeatable with the one run wearing or some Paradox Engine deck is just unbeatable with the one ring in existence. And that ends up like stealing Dice Tron or something with the One Ring. It just steals the entire event. So I'm actually yeah. excited to see like what creative things we see with the One Ring outside of just the Omnath piles. But anyway, that's coming up this weekend. I think that's our last topic, but we got a couple minutes. So Richard, how about a fish mail or two? All right. Uh, if you have any questions, send to at Goldfish with the hashtag MDGFishmail. And we'll get to your questions on air. Okay, here's a here's a timely question from Solid Gold Toilet. With all the great reprints in Commander Masters, when will prices hit rock bottom before rebounding? Pre-order, two weeks, one month, or longer. Ooh, so I'm so definitely when like, I pick up Commander Masters. I'm definitely uh, so prices are already down quite a bit on a lot of the best cards. I think that prices will likely go down further once the set's released. I would be, I would be thinking waiting at least a month, uh, would be, would be my guess. We haven't seen any signs of like, the set's really expensive, but we haven't seen signs of it selling out. Remember some past modern masters where it's like, you literally can't buy a box if you want to, because they're just all gone. We haven't seen anything like that going on with this set. So I think the supply should be reasonably high. So my expectation is price is going to continue to drop for at least another month. And then they probably stay down for a few months and then they'll start to rebound maybe over the winter so i'd be looking at like this fall we're going to be getting new standard sets uh the doctor who deck sometimes september october like i bet that'll be the floor when everyone's focused on oh what am i doing in post rotation standard then you can sneak in and maybe snag these commander reprints on the cheap hopefully 
does that apply to the the new cards from the precons as well, or is this strictly Ooh. the main set reprints? The new cards from the the precons, I still think I mentioned this earlier. I think they are massively overpriced. Like, there's no way they can be worth thirty dollars. So I think they apply even more to the new cards from the precons than the reprints. I think if anything, the reprints. They've already dropped quite a bit, so I think they'll go down a bit more, but I'm not expecting them to, like, cut in half again at this point because the reprinted price is already down so much. The new cards from the pre-cons, though, I expect those to end up a few bucks in most cases. Like, there's no way those, like, some random sliver is a $30 card. That's just not, <laughs> that's not possible, I don't think. Slivers, Seth. There's no, anything is possible. <laughs> They're the most popular tribe in all of Magic the Gathering. They are popular. That is true. Right, we, we, we need to do a poll. When's the last time we did a poll on this? Is it is it Slivers still? Maybe it's Angels. I bet it's Angels or Dragons. Maybe but it's Slivers, Squirrels. I think. Ooh. <laughs> squirrels is like the hipster choice, but people do like Squirrels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We should do a poll on that sometime. That would be interesting. All right. So, if you have further questions, you can send them to at MGGoldfish with the hashtag MGFishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that brings us to the end of episode 443 of the MGG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting this show. And we'll be back next week to talk about... The Pro Tour, MagicCon Barcelona, maybe some Eldorain spoilers, and whatever else goes on in the world of magic. So until then, have an amazing week, everyone. And this is a crew signing out.